1: cryptocurrencies. Three guys played it talking bitcoin, no fee. That's the free bitcoin podcast insane. And adoption is still the only thing. Thing thing. That matters main.
2: Hey everybody. Welcome to the show. The show that represents the flagship network. Or it's the flagship show on the flagship network, the network. Anyway, I'm
3: your first host, Marcello. How y'all doing? Host number two, Dimitri here.
0: And host number three, Dr. Corey Petty. What's up, guys? Episode 225. We're That's in right. it. In it to win it.
3: Twenty Isn't that two plates? If you're in the weight room, 245-pound plates equals 225-pound well, see? What's 45 times 5?
0: 90, 90 plus 45,
3: 225. That's uh, 230, 220. Yeah, so we're good to go. We're in the uh, podcast gym with the gains. <laughs> 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 um, slide announcement at the top of here. And doing some market research, we have discovered that Aluma Exchange is a scam. So if you're out there buying Aluma Exchange tokens... um. the person who's running that is going to
0: run to the beach and keep your ether. Can you say why? So So we're not just like saying shit without any backing? Like why is that the case? Oh yeah. A
3: little backstory. We brought on someone to help us with the external sales to go out and (laughs) and bring companies to the announcement series and um, he was in a dialogue with the Illumina Exchange um, and then they said um, well if you send us 10 BTC if you invest in us with 10 BTC, then we'll invest in you. And that was extra scammy. Like, what does that even mean? We're just trying to advertise your thing that you're building. So um, it was scammerific to say the least. And I think that it is a scammy business and they're out to get you guys. Would turn. they just
0: be like bad businessmen? Is it like just like a, like they, they think they're doing it in the name of collaboration, but it's just like they're just really bad at business?
2: Yeah, I think the person who answers Telegram messages isn't the person you want to be talking to when you're making money deals.
0: Or, or yeah. it is. Or it is. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, is, what are other possible conclusions that can come from this? They're just, it's, it's a yeah, money but, grab, but, uh, and they're trying to be an actual exchange, and they don't realize who we are and, like, what we do. Maybe that's it. I mean, who who asks somebody for sixty thousand dollars? Like it's a lot of people. Like it's casual
2: in this space. A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and like like, oh, like
3: and it works.
0: Hey, sixty thousand dollars. Smart contract audits
3: go upwards of like fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars. For like ooh, somebody's undercutting though. I see ads on
0: CoinDesk. It's like smart contract audit for five thousand dollars. Oh, I bet you want a good one. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. The 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 quality, like judging the quality of a smart contract, that's really rough. You need to have a lot of backing on um, the ability to do a bunch of like have done a bunch of previous other ones, and then those things that you have done have been alive and well for a long period of time. And when you have that type of backing, you can tend to say like you can have more confidence in what you say, and the people who go with you have more confidence. So depending on how much that smart contract will hold in the future, potentially. Uh, you'll go with the larger bid because you need you need that level of confidence. Because all in all, like, it's it's really hard to say whether or not a smart contract's gonna have a bug or not, even if you get third party audits. I'm betting my money on it's probably gonna have a bug. Eventually, probably.
3: Yeah. Even Bitcoin had that bug last week. That. Looked like it was going to be doomed for Bitcoin, but um, was worked out pretty quickly. It seems.
0: All well, that thanks to the like the, I'd say benevolence or altruism or, or, all around good guyishness of the developer. He's a BCH, a Bitcoin Cash developer, that mm-hmm. found it. Yeah, and replicated it it on the test cash. net and reported it, as opposed to like potentially just making a shitload of money. This has been I mean, a week of bad
2: headlines, man. Really? Is that, I think yeah, ZedPay. Awesome that Zed Pay's out of business. That, I see them there, all, so... There's bugs. And then, like, even in our Slack, there's talking about, well, Ethereum is never going to be worth as much as it used to be, because there's going to be, like, stable coins and mm-hmm. all this shit.
0: I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I... I I have a hard time believing that. I mean, yeah, I guess it depends on what the inflation rate ends up being in the end. But uh, I think with the uh, like the sharding spec, Casper plus sharding spec, the inflation rate is basically going to be zero for Ethereum. So that may be end up being like I don't know. It's it's hard it's hard to say. If it's if it's large, yeah. then the price will go down. If it's small, the price could eventually go up if the usability goes up, or it just stays constant because it, it works and it's like. Only for utility and not so much for money. If it gets turned into like used as money across apps, then the price will go up because there'll be a large demand for it. Yeah, but both of those are
3: utilitarian needs. Either you're using it for whatever the is. Yeah, platform. like you're going to
0: store your value in something. If uh, I don't know, like where you park your money has a lot to do with what that thing is used for and not used for. It.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Bear markets are brutal, man. I missed the Dave Chappelle memes, and <laughs> the moon talk. It'll come back. It'll come back one day. But yeah, you're right. It's like it's a it's a different world when the conversation about money is typically negative. Yeah. Yeah. Or like investments. I the mean, talk about awesome. investments is typically yeah. negative.
3: There's decent news. There's Bax has that partnership with Starbucks, and they're launching the the. Bitcoin backed future deliverance. Can you talk about that? What is that? A good thing.
2: Who's that? I gotta do a a
3: Jamie and pull that up. Yeah. So futures are like, uh, you know, you bet on the future price of a thing, and if you're right, you get paid out. Well, the futures that currently exist through um, CBOE and CMO, um, Chicago Mercantile CME, sorry CME, um, they're delivered with USD. So you can bet on the Bitcoin price, and if you're right, you get paid out dollars kind of big time. So um that's starkly different to have the payouts being Bitcoin, it kinda of changes the dynamic there. And that partnership with Starbucks, believe these or not, I did not know this. The number one mobile payments platform on the planet, Starbucks. Starbucks Starbucks gift
0: cards, baby. Gift cards, the little money. <clears throat> they have so much money in yeah. the Starbucks like Economy. I don't know. I think Amazon's bigger. Amazon. Amazon points or Amazon money or Amazon bucks or whatever it's called is bigger.
3: Amazon literally could run a country with the economy that they have. Well, they're they're building a. They're
0: building a financial sector within Amazon, or something. There's like there's like a financial wing that they're building or growing or something within Amazon because it's so big. They require it.
3: Is that good or is that bad? They're probably paying out the ass in compliance costs, but. Um I don't know if I want an Amazon financial I don't want to walk into an Amazon bank one day. I really don't want that. But
0: I, I don't I don't know. I like, I like all their other services.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Because Alexa's gonna I'm pretty, be I'm everywhere. pretty
0: happy with Prime in terms of like the amount of convenience yeah. it gives me. I know what I know what the trade off is. I'm aware of it. Alexa's gonna infect Siri. Like you're gonna start
3: asking Siri and Siri's gonna be like, I don't know, but here's Alexa. Like, I don't like Alexa.
2: How it's being implemented in more and more devices. I don't use that shit. I don't
3: it's need It's open it. source, so you can do whatever you want with Alexa. That
4: I don't well, think
3: it is. No, no it's you not. Can, like, you can go in there and you can put skills in there.
0: That's not open source. Oh, okay. Well, it's that's not the source. definition of open source. Clopen
3: source. <laughs> like, yeah. like
2: the latest development is you can add an Echo like to your audio file system and all this shit. And I'm like, that's just unnecessary. I don't know. Um it just seems like it's gonna be like a test your dishwasher soon. It will be. Oh, and it, it's it's in your microwave now. Nah.
0: So
3: it's just it's dumb. Yeah, they want it in every device. Before they
0: we go off on a crazy tangent on what Alexa's fingers are getting into, why don't we talk about uh samurai stuff you wanna talk about?
3: Oh yeah. Um Samurai wall. It's a very popular wallet on the Android. And I think there's a desktop app. I'm not sure, but I think there's one. Anyways, they made a bold move this week. You guys ready for this audience? Wayne, I know you're ready. Joe, I know you're psyched. They stopped denominating any of your holdings in their wallet, or in your wallet. But anyways, it will no longer show fiat equivalencies. It's all in Satoshis. That's a bold move. That's a Why stupid,
2: that, a stupid go? that I mean, I applaud w- what they're what they're doing, but the world isn't ready for this yet. I'm reading this reference like it's like saying if they have a hamburger instead of money, it would be possible that the wallet later gets food regulations. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Okay, well, it's, it's odd. It's like they're one of the the best featured wallets in terms of like storing Bitcoin. Out there, they use a lot of the um, the newer features available in Bitcoin to help give the users a lot of options on how they how they make transactions, form transactions, and then store their money. Uh, and I guess they're just they're full on they're full on blockchain, right? They're they're full on in the space, and they don't want people to start to always have the back reference of how they use this to be U.S. dollars. They're, they're trying to port. like do things. They're trying to like i don't know push the they're trying to push the community forward by uh, breaking a lot of the um i guess traditional mindsets that we have when using this technology because right now like when you think like oh my, my portfolio how much money is that portfolio worth you think of it in us dollars which will always like say like your your fiat maximalist some people will say that's that makes you a fiat maximalist because you think in terms of fiat and just using this stuff to gain the equivalent of whatever your fiat is, as opposed to they want, they they would prefer a world where Bitcoin is that backing. And you're always saying how much Bitcoin is my portfolio worth?
2: I just, we're not, we're not, we're shockingly early, like everyone says. We're not ready to start calculating a Bitcoin. All right. Not well, there
0: you, you said you wanted drastic changes the other day. You, you, you yeah, talk, man. This is it. Like This is what people do for drastic change. They're make they, they they're unapologetic about making those changes. So which side of the fence are you going to sit on?
3: It's time, Cello. Remember when we went out to tie that one time and you were like, oh, I think it was point something something Bitcoin. I was like, oh, it's like 73 bucks. And you were like, holy shit. Did you do that in your head? I was like, yes, I did. It's time, man.
2: Well, that's yeah. when the price of Bitcoin wasn't so astronomical, though.
0: I mean, it's you can still see it no matter what. <laughs> See what I mean? Like that mentality. Like, do you want to? Do you like? Which which world would you prefer? Um, like, because you're always you're, you're always going to have some standard in which you uh are like, in which you qualify everything else relative to. Right now, that's fiat for basically everyone, excluding a few people. But how would we ever get past that?
3: Yep, didn't Einstein say you gotta drop your fucking anchor down I don't know so if that's know the words are. in the ocean or if he, he even, even said that <laughs> it was either him or Mike Tyson Cello, can you please make that a, uh, a drop picture the anchor. and then
0: and then, yeah. and
3: then tweet that you gotta with, drop your fucking anchor Albert with, Einstein with Einstein
0: in black and white yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tweet that out for me <laughs> episode 225 right, me. quote of the day Here's my thing. Like, I,
2: I know, like, we want to change the further the space, but this is just. I think it's gonna it's gonna lose a lot of people.
0: Maybe, or I think. I mean, go ahead. I don't know. A lot of people aren't using Bitcoin. They're just holding it and moving it to other places for other crypto, and so. If this is restoring the Bitcoin, then then cool, it works because Objection. it's the best. It's one of the best featured wallets for Bitcoin out there. Objection!
3: We, Leading the audience, more people are using Bitcoin than ever. Sure. Recent, this is because of headlines. I just seen it. Um, less bitcoins are being held now, and more are actually being circulated. Then Why less would than you more? want to
2: spend your Bitcoin when it's down 65% from when you bought it six months ago?
0: Man, you're not know. trying to hold on to it because you don't think it's going to go up so high very fast? <laughs> I mean, but what do you got to lose? Just hold that shit some more. Where right? like, It can't go down anymore. Yeah, I but some people it. have uh, more than they should. Like they, they, They're they so far into it that they just put a good portion of their wealth into it and they have to use it. I mean, think about, um, uh, I guess, before people donated a shitload of money to Andreas, all he had was Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. guess So he's spinning it every day. There are people like that, but like you say, people are using it more, more than what uh, than previously. So okay, we're, we've moved yeah. from we've moved from ninety five percent of the people holding it to ninety percent of the people holding it. Okay, cool. Five percent's a good amount, man. Sure, but that's still relative to the all the people in the world. Like it's not enough. I'm not spending shit. I'm gonna hold that until we're mm-hmm. up,
2: because I'm not I an can- idiot. You're spending Bitcoin. You're an idiot," said Andreas.
0: <laughs> "Quote of the day, another quote of the day.
2: My coworker an idiot a year ago. I buy plane tickets with Bitcoin, and I'm just like, you're an idiot.
0: We buy all <laughs> our stuff with, with with Bitcoin and Ethereum when we go places. Like, we pay for CON and the conferences we go yeah. to. That's all bought with crypto. We are collective
2: idiots. Well, I mean, that's not that's not money in my pocket. That's like just
3: that's business you know. account. We're, we're uh, one percenters. Yeah, that's a business account. Money but, in the bank. Shorty, you what you drink. Exactly. We need uh, a little scrappy to make a, like a crypto song. He needs work, that's for sure. <laughs> no, he's on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I took a look
0: at his resume the other day. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Hold on. Did you really look at his resume the other day? <laughs> like, did you really spend time out of your day looking at little scrappy's resume? Is that part of your work day? Yeah, he did. Tell her don't lie. Say, like, hey, D is still a black man, believe it or not. He does black things.
3: I do do black things. Well, it's a little scrappy uh-huh. up to you.
0: I'm going to get his resume and take a look. <laughs> that doesn't go through my mind at any point in the day.
3: It goes through my mind every once in a while. Sometimes I like to check in on Ludicrous.
0: I don't even think about looking at resumes if I want to check in on somebody.
2: Just, oh, I know what happened to Ludacris. The fucking Fast and the Furious movies killed his rapper career. I don't know. Yeah. Or just
0: gave him a it, metric shit ton of money and he's like, whatever. That, that's out. what I mean. Yeah. Oh, okay. When when you when a rapper
2: becomes super rich, they start sucking. They start they start
0: making business moves and stop rapping. <laughs> yeah. Look at yeah. fifty cent. He 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 became not fifty cent real quick when he made a bunch of money. That's right. Fucking vitamin
3: water. How but that that's uh the last
2: thing I want to touch on that samurai wallet, if we can go back to it, I just think we need to work on, uh, we need we need to improve, you know, privacy, lessen resilience on third parties. Let, let's not go to a more independent style of Bitcoin. We're not we're not
0: there. I'm all about change, but we're not there. I mean, yeah, I, I would agree with you personally. Uh, I was just trying to play the devil's advocate and see where they're trying to come from, or like what the motivation was. But like, I mean, if you're going to have something that people are using right now and you want them to use it you need to give you know convenience features because right now they don't know how much one bitcoin is worth if, if it's holding other currencies they don't know how much that's worth relative to like real world objects unless they have a usd comparison at least in the united states so they don't know like if someone says like send me 20 dollars of bitcoin for this for this for this lunch they're like well, how much is that and if that's not part of your of your of your software your application that you're hoping people use, then they're not going to use it like I like the ideology put, but' it's, it's probably going to hurt
3: What if you put icons with the number of satoshis like if you're in your Samurai wallet and say you're scrolling up to increase the number of satoshis because we're talking about a lot so I would want like something I could swipe with my thumb or at least enter in and then a little icon popped up to the left to show you about what it was worth like a little t-shirt icon or a just a car. Icon living. Yeah. Like, or a car or something just to help you with the math at first, you know, just cause you know, if you're, you're we're talking about millions of Satoshi, one Bitcoin is a million Satoshi, right? So if you're sending 3 million Satoshi somewhere, the, a little icon of a, of a car might help to let you know, like, Hey, you're about to send someone a car. So, you know, you we got to have- change the name from Satoshi too like if if a hispanic
2: person created bitcoin we can't say a million pablos we can't do that shit we need
0: another name <laughs> no i think <laughs> it's i think it's it's obscure enough to be useful
3: well it doesn't that does really doesn't matter that's, that's <laughs> all that stuff is all just what human society like yeah. brings a consensus around can like, i buy this pack of gum for 400 joses? it doesn't even go well
2: <laughs>
0: We can always like, uh, I guess something I wanted to talk about, which is like a, an idea that I've been kicking around in some way, shape or fashion for a long period of time. And I think are getting closer to it is the thought of us having a token, like the podcast network, having a token. What? Not for, not for exchanges. No, I'm just, I'm just, it's, it's something that would be fun for user engagement, but not for like trying to get on an exchange and make money. We're not like doing oh, an I'll ICO. We'll never do face, that. Baby. I'm going straight to Coinbase. I'm
3: putting in 30 applications a day. <laughs> well, like, like I
0: want, no, I would like something that like people could, you know, uh, submit and vote on just the header headlines, so that you have some type of like curated list of news events. Um, that would be lovely. That the community puts a lot of effort into. And so when you're looking at, like, when you're reading the news, it's stuff other people want you to read, as opposed to the shit you try to figure out how to sift through or uh, like, Jesse. like people interacting with uh, maybe voting on who we do interviews with or what we talk about on various shows or things like that, right? And then they can, I don't know, it's just like a, it's more like it's more like Dogecoin than it is anything else. People aren't trying to like make money off it. They're just using it because it's fun. Yeah.
3: What if we charged a one-time fee for the token and it also gave them rights to like revenue share of different products and stuff that we, build and launch in the future
0: yeah sure that'd be fun then it gives it it gives it a base value i guess
3: yeah and that's the only thing it'll ever be like it'll be pegged to this amount of dollars and it's a lifetime you you got a tbp token then you got a lifetime opportunity of helping us with things
0: i'd rather than be fungible like if it's a rather like a marketplace of tokens so that if you and you use it to access whatever we're doing, so like to participate, I like it to try and participate with whatever we're doing. You didn't. I'm sure use we'd have some tokens. people that
3: would help us too. In yeah, time. sure. I mean, it's not. I
0: mean, it's it's a matter of time. It's not a matter of like ability or talent. I think it'd just be kind of fun, and I would want to do it in a way that that tries to get people to interact with us more than people trying to make money and and, and game it. So you can't, do an ICO, you can't do time. shit like that.
3: Anything I learned about time from the movie Annihilation is that time is a motherfucker. Time <laughs> is a
0: construct. <laughs> I don't know. It's something I've like kicking be around, around right? like and I think it'd be fine need to, to figure it out.
3: I, I, okay, so before we cut to the interview, let's make that official invite to everyone in the Slack and everyone not in the Slack that this is an idea that Corey's been um, pushing around in his brain. And uh, maybe we'd like to get that implemented a little TPP token uh, circulating around just for fun, just for funsies.
0: or even just come up with ideas yeah. on what it could be used for, and then we can then figure out the necessary infrastructure required to do that stuff, because I mean, that's that's potentially a lot of development if we're going inter- to integrate it with a bunch of shit that we do. I mean, potentially that is. So we need a lot steps in terms of like getting it started, passing it around, initial distribution. Uh, making those applications, all I and mean, all that type of stuff, needs to be done, which is a lot of work. But it, it, eventually, it could be fun. But we should start somewhere by just having, like, maybe a test token and you're playing around with it in Slack. I like okay. it. I like
3: it. Well, um, um, yeah. The, the, should we cut to the interview?
2: Yeah, live from a from a church in Puerto Rico.
0: Mm-hmm. The original, the, like, was it the initial uh, Freemasons lodge in the world, like ever? It, it had a good aura around it. That's for Wasn't sure. Was I late to this interview? Yeah. What
3: was I doing? Was this the interview Driving? where I was actually copying? I was recording one of Amy Wan's interviews yeah. for the fucking CEO and founder of Acclaim Entertainment,
0: and you didn't yeah. thank him, and you didn't. You, thank were, him you were late to a
2: billionaire's interview. Jesus. Because you were busy with another millionaire. Yeah. It's a good spot to be in. Um anyway, I introduced him in the episode, so you just it's Brock Pierce. Everyone knows oh, Brock yeah.
3: Pierce. Get to it. Yeah, Brock Pierce. Uh here it is. All right, guys, long-winded
2: introductions aside, we're here today with the Chairman of the Bitcoin Foundation, Mr. Brock Pierce, one of the uh, the OGs in the space, and probably out of the, the hundreds of people we've interviewed over the years, I'd argue he's probably one of the most prominent, recognizable figures in the space. Uh, you can catch him headlining the speaker list at the World CryptoCon next month in Las Vegas. Uh, Brock, your time is super valuable, and, and here you are lending us your time. We We appreciate it, and thanks for being here.
4: Uh, It's it's my pleasure. Um, You know, it takes uh, teamwork to make the dream work. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Very very important things that, um, you know, again, without all of us doing all the things, none of this is going to work.
0: You know, I I, I'm actually quite curious here. And I want to get maybe a little more clarification from you when doing research on you and trying to figure out what you're involved in. There's been a tremendous amount of things that you've had your hand in. What do you typically find yourself saying when people say, what do you do? Or like, um, or who are you a part of?
4: Yeah, I, I tend to, uh, you know, I mean, unless it's an, in, it's in an environment where I can give an expansive answer. I try to, uh, uh, I, I, I give an answer that kind of confuses most people, but that's not my intention. You know, they're like, so what do you do? I go, well, um, I try to help people. <laughs> um, well, what specifically do you do? Well, I, uh, you know, I live my life in service. I'm trying to find people that are doing extraordinary things that have the potential to make a positive impact in the world. And, um, you know, I try to help accelerate that process for them. I help amplify their message. I help, you know, I, pretty much all my answers are along those lines. Or I like to say lately that I'm a farmer or, you know, I always like the term philanthropist. Um, because again, there's too many uh, too many titles to 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 give a simple answer. I can also say I'm a venture capitalist or I can say I'm an entrepreneur um, you know. so, so if I have to sum that up you're you're trying to find ways to
0: make it, to have an influence and that gets tied into various amounts of different entities to enable
4: that influence right yeah, I try to spend my time working with people or on projects that are going to have as large positive impact on the world as possible. I measure my success by impact. So think of most people are playing the game, the game of life, playing a game that I refer to as compounding interest, which is playing the game of self-interest. Um, I'm not playing that game anymore. I'm playing a game that I call compounding impact. And I measure my success based upon how much positive impact am I having in the world.
2: Well, the, the last time you were on this show or the last time we were just talking was 2015. And a lot has changed for you and a lot has changed since then. You know, uh, you, know you got married, you're advising potential life-changing technology companies, your Puerto Rico ambitions. I mean, hell, you even became a target on John Oliver. You know, how are, how are you feeling nowadays towards the space. Are you just as excited today as you were three four years ago when we last talked? Are you maybe a little bit more jaded are you, or are you like more driven, more motivated by what you can achieve?
4: Yeah, more bullish, more driven than ever. And I'm very happy with, you know, kind of where the market is right now. I'm happiest in down markets um, because um, in down markets, the irrational behavior goes away when we're in these bull markets. Um, you know, everybody's jumping ship. Everybody's looking for the next new shiny object and there's not a lot of call it commitment. There's not a lot of hunkering down and like getting the work done throughout the course of my life. All of my greatest work has been done in bear markets. Um, so I'm kind of happy that we're in a bear market again, you know, we'll see how long it lasts, whether it be three weeks, three months or three years, you know, we'll see how long this, this winter is, but, um, I I like these environments, you know, all the sort of riffraff, you know, you know, all of the call it those people that are showing up temporarily hoping to just make a buck, you know, those people disappear during these time periods, you know, and you end up with the people that are actually truly committed to the cause, you know, the people that truly believe in the work that's being done here. You know, when when there's money flying all over the place, you know, everybody starts showing up. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy right now. This is my favorite market. There's a, so somewhat of like a
0: analogy to that uh, bull market and bear market stuff you just said with what you're doing in Puerto Rico. Can you, can you touch on that? I feel like um, a lot of people have moved, especially in the crypto space, whether that be because there's an overlapping ideology of why we're in crypto or the haven part of being in Puerto Rico. Can you expand on what you're doing there and why it's uh, like who's there with you doing these types of things and what type of benefits that are going to come from it?
4: Yeah. So back to playing the game of compounding impact, you know, I want to have as big a positive impact on the world as I can. This is how I measure my, my efforts and my success, you know, the KPIs. So I could live in New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, London, you know, wonderful, wonderful cities that have all of the amenities and things that, you know, one could possibly want, but where, where you spend your time, you know, is going to have a, a very big impact on the things that you end up doing. And so I've made the decision that I'm going to spend my time in a place that needs help. You know, San Francisco, all the cities I just mentioned have plenty of talent. Um, They don't need me. (laughs) I'm not going to make a major impact on those cities as a result of living there. So the question is, where can I live and have, you know, as big an impact as possible? Puerto Rico is one of those places that was clearly on the list um, of places where I could have a major, you know, positive impact. When the hurricane hit... Uh, i made the decision to move down here you know immediately following that and uh tried to get as many people as i could to come down as well because the main problem that puerto rico faces for 500 years they've kind of been drawing the short straw and consistently just getting a raw deal from more or less everybody that's come down here promising them the world and then never delivering on those promises um you know so naturally it's a it's a bit of a skeptical um culture, but a place that also is very hopeful. Um, but that skepticism is, you know, is, is deserved, you know, when, you know, you've been being taken advantage of consistently since the time that Christopher Columbus arrived till today, uh, you know, skepticism is in your DNA. So, um, there's that piece of it, but how do you get lots of people here? So there's, there's been, you know, for 500 years, broad deals, but the biggest problem has been what I call a brain drain. You have the people with the means, the people with the intellectual capital, the human capital, the spiritual capital, the financial capital, all of these people have been leaving because they've had the means to leave. And the young people that are graduating from university here because of a lack of opportunity are all leaving. So when your leaders are leaving and your future leaders are leaving, long term, uh, the impact of of that is going to be catastrophic. And so how how do you combat a brain drain with a brain gain? And so we are bringing that intellectual capital, that human capital, that spiritual capital, that financial capital, and we're bringing it in spades. Now, if it weren't for the Haven portion of it, it wouldn't be very effective. Um, If there were no, call it tax incentives or other uh, things going on here, you know, maybe 10 or 20 of my friends would have followed me. But because of those incentives, so that it's called the 20 and 22 acts, you know, this is the legislation that's providing the tax benefits. Between 2012 and 2017, 1,000 people moved to Puerto Rico to take advantage of these tax incentives. In the first half of this year, 4,000 people have applied. So, I mean, it's it's a movement. Yeah, Yeah. I I heard
2: you once say that it's not hard to see the future. It's getting the timing right that's hard.
4: Yes. And so, uh, you know, the need was now. Uh, uh the incentives and the you know the 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 tools were put in place you know to deliver the impact and it's happening i mean I think you have of the four thousand people that have applied two or three thousand of them are from the crypto industry you know another one to two thousand of those people are call it from you know other you know modalities, but all very interesting whether they come from the renewable energy industry, whether they come from the permaculture sort of industry, whether they are Yogis, I mean, it's a it's a very interesting mix, you know, of people coming down here and most of whom are purpose driven. You know, they're not here just for the tax incentives. That's the thing like Bitcoin. Without that economic incentive, it's hard to get people over the line. Right. To get them over the hump. But they're not they're not people that are here, just at least everyone that I meet for incentives. They're here to make an impact and they're here to pay it forward with those you know, potential tax benefits that they're going to get down the road. Um, exactly what Puerto Rico needs right now. And hopefully more and more Puerto Ricans come home too. you know, hopefully more and more Puerto Ricans that are living in New York or living in Florida, you know, the leaders that have left return to, to start, you know, stepping in and filling, you know, filling in the void uh, of these roles. Clearly we're bringing a lot of the economic opportunity for the young students so they don't have to leave. There's now startups, there's now venture capital, there's now angel investments, something that Puerto Rico historically has never had.
0: Yeah, i was <laughs> no, I'm curious about that like I mean as as you have this mass exodus plus you know plus brain gain that you the way you put it that's gonna have a drastic impact on the culture that's been there and, and especially in terms of changing it from what it's been historically have you witnessed something like that or have tried to preserve what's there slash incentivize people to come back to to hold on to that culture so that we're not making maybe like this this basically crypto haven <laughs> culture centric, Place in the world that then kind of pushes out the traditional Puerto Rican culture.
4: Oh, I mean, yeah. For me, that's you know uh, a huge part of the focus. I'm just closing this window that keeps slamming.
0: It's part of living there. You get those background noises.
4: Uh, There we go. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Most of, you know, everything that I'm doing down here is for the benefit of Puerto Ricans. Um, But historically, there had been no venture-backed Puerto Rican companies. You know, you didn't have a startup culture, even if there was an interest, because there was no um, capital formation in place to provide for it. So it's a radical change to the culture. But I think entrepreneurialism um, is a good addition to any culture. You know, teaching young people. By the way, the number 15 engineering school in the United States is in Puerto Rico. University of Puerto Rico, Mayaguez is where Facebook, NASA, Google come do tons of their recruiting. Because you have these incredible engineers that are graduating with no opportunity. So it's one of the best places to come recruit, you know, talent from and then move them to San Francisco or wherever else. So creating, you know, bringing the angel investors, the startup mentors, the co-working facilities, the venture capital. You know the startups that create the jobs that eventually lead to Puerto Ricans starting and owning their own businesses, I, I think is a, is is a, a great benefit, um, you know, culturally, and it is something different. And it's not that there weren't wasn't an interest in young from young Puerto Ricans to build startups; they've never had the tools. You know, you can dream the dream, but that dream will that vision will never become a reality unless you've got the tools by which to build it. Um, so. You know, we're bringing the tools so that young Puerto Ricans have the opportunity to make an impact in the world, you know, and stay at home. At least give them that option. If they want to leave, they can. But at least they've got the option to stay now.
3: Do they know you're doing it for them? Like, are you receiving pushback from Puerto Ricans? Are
4: they, do they, is- Almost none. I've only had two interactions ever with people and they were paid shills. The only people that we've had any, call it, pushback from were people with agendas motivated by and driven by others. Now, Puerto Ricans are naturally skeptical and for good reason, but they're hopeful, you know. And when you have these types of conversations, they get it. So you've got hackathons happening all over the island now. You've got young entrepreneurs and startup societies and, you know, startup clubs in the university now writing business plans, coming up with ideas, something that's never really happened before in a meaningful way. So it's happening now. It'll take time for that skepticism to, you know, become, call it belief, you know, but that, that's, you know, judge us by our actions. You know, what I find is a, you know, people that are very hopeful and they're like, if half of what you say is true, I'm going to be so happy, but you know, I want to see it to believe it, but it's happening, you know, it, but it takes a little bit of time. These things don't happen overnight. You know, we've been working at this for less than a year, by the way, today, is the one-year anniversary of Hurricane Maria. This is the one-year anniversary. The hurricane happened one year ago today. And oh, wow. most of the work that's been down here has been basic recovery. Until you've got the basic infrastructure back in place, until people have electricity and internet and clean drinking water and all the things, there's not much you could do. Most of what you know, we spent our time doing down here is building solar panels on houses and you know, feeding people. You know, it's, been, it's been that kind of work. Well, an
0: interesting yeah. part of that rebuilding of infrastructure is it, it gives you a clean slate to build something that's a bit different than the traditional infrastructure we may have in the States, right? Or like the continuous states is you're able to try and experiment maybe new things uh, in new ways like Elon Musk's endeavor to try and put solar panels everywhere across, across Puerto Rico, things like that. And, and, are you seeing any like initiatives to push the like infrastructure level crypto so that you can maybe have an experiment with some of the things we're trying to build in this ecosystem in a real world scenario that actually impacts people's lives like drastically, as opposed to kind of the standard American story of crypto is kind of cool. It's a potential investment opportunity, but you don't really need it. At least in a lot of the first world country that we have in America, where like other places really need it. Puerto Rico seems like a place where it could actually benefit from some of the things and there's a real need there. What what have you seen?
4: Um, Yeah, we're again. We're only a year in uh, from the hurricane, so not, I mean, not even a year in. Oh yeah, yeah. But you now have uh, entrepreneurs and projects trying to solve all the major problems. It's in the you know early stages of engaging the local government and engaging the local people with you know the implementation of these things. Take a project like Switch, S W Y T C H. Uh, Switch is focused on. It's one of the handful of high-quality uh, peer-to-peer energy grids. So they're trying to build a solar peace park in the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea to bring power to the people on both sides. They're also focused on Puerto Rico. They're focusing their peer-to-peer power you know, energy in specific places in the world to have an impact. And so they're working on things down here. Do I think they will get something implemented? I think the odds of it are highly likely, You know, but we'll see that over the course of the next year. You know, infrastructure stuff takes time. Infrastructure mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, doesn't roll out quickly. Um, you know, so this is, you know, this is a 10 or 20 year, you know, sort of project of, you know, you know, Puerto Rico's recovery. But they've gone through 500 years of, you know, hardship. You know, hopefully that means they're about to have 500 years of abundance. Hopefully. years a blessing. You said Swiss is just hanging out in the DMZ over in Korea? Well, no, they're, they're working on building out a solar peace park. And it looks oh. like they've got the, the approvals necessary from the South Korean government. Some new legislation needs to be passed for them to legally be able to provide power to North Korea. But it looks like the, the willingness for all that stuff mm. is happening.
3: I mean, they need these need to be careful. They're going to catch some solar peace bullets from
4: North Korea. Just tell them to be careful. Just tell them well, them North, be careful. North Korea is supporting this. It's, it, it's, this is unification. This is a focus of both the North and South working together like what they did with the Winter Olympics. You know, the winter so, so, is what's driven all of this. The winter Olympics is what allowed people to look at their enemies and say, hey, you know, maybe we should reevaluate our relationship. Yeah. If we can slam dunk basketballs together, then we can build infrastructure together. That's the idea. And in the same way that <laughs> West, East and West Germany, you know, the Berlin when the Berlin Wall falling was a, very true. The modern day equivalent to the Berlin Wall is between the north and south of you know, the Korean Peninsula. You know, these are the same people that have been divided. You know, North Koreans and South Koreans are the same people. They're cousins, uncles, aunts. You know, they were divided by a wall. And they didn't realize when they took one side that they weren't even going to be able to come back again. So families are divided. Mm -hmm. But it's the same people. I, I, I just hope that the
3: only thing I fear is that I've seen some, of course, the Internet is the Internet. And some people fear there's brooding modern day colonialization is what they call it going on in Puerto Rico. And um, that is a fear that has to be, you know, put on center stage to some extent, because, you don't like you just said, they're going through 500 years of hardship. Like what? And I I, I know there's at least more than a small group of people that don't want to go through another 500. So.
4: That's well, not so really a question. Well, let's talk about that. So what is, it's very easy to throw around a word like colonialization because it's a trigger word. It's a trigger word. Exactly. That it, it, it causes all sorts of emotional reaction, but let's actually take a moment to speak about it. What exactly would be a colonialistic action? What is, what What type of behavior would we consider to be colonialism? Is bringing capital to Puerto Rican entrepreneurs and startups colonialization I don't think so is bringing aid to Puerto Rican people that need power and you know basic infrastructure colonialization. I don't think so now, what type of behavior would be colonialization? Some people would say, you know, buying up all the real estate or buying up all the foreclosed properties and kicking people out of their homes. okay, that might be you know if you picked up all the foreclosures and you evicted all the people that lived in them to amass a huge portfolio of real estate, that sounds like something that might be fit to be categorized as colonialization, but I don't know anyone doing that. I've not heard of anyone doing that. You know, I don't, most of the people I know are not interested in Puerto Rican real estate. You know, Puerto Rico is still too messed up that people would want to make, you know, a meaningful investment in Puerto Rican real estate. The only stuff that I've invested in, which are basically lease to purchase options for the most part are things that are used as community properties, you know, town halls for bringing Puerto Rican people together with newcomers to talk about problems, hopefully not being more than 5% of the conversation, but the 95% of the conversation being about potential solutions, because it's easy to quantify Mm -hmm. a problem. The problems have got statistics. The problems are well understood for the most part. The question is, what do you do about them? And creating and facilitating conversation around solving problems, but in a way where it's Puerto Rican people making decisions for themselves. And we're just here to help them solve those problems we're not here to be saviors. We're not here to come in and tell them how it should be done. We're here to help them, you know, in the ways that we can.
0: I think a lot of people misconstrue uh, that term, or like get get angry at the fact of people who who potentially profit from places that have been uh, like had very negative things happen to them, right? So like, say as a wealthy person, you move down there and potentially facilitate a lot of good, but also potentially make a bunch of money off of that. Does that make you a bad person or that are you doing the wrong thing by what someone would consider exploiting people? And I don't, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. Like making money off helping people is not a, a bad thing. It's, it turns I, I, bad I, I, when you make money I, I, off I, I, exploiting people.
4: Correct. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with people making money and doing well for themselves. You know, if they are making a, if they're positively impacting the lives of people and benefiting the people, I mean, I, I please, more of that. I have no objection to people making money. What I care about is, are they having a positive impact on the lives of the people? That is how I measure my own success. And that is the unit of measurement that I use in measuring the behavior of others. Are you a net positive impact on the, call it the ecosystem? Are you positively impacting the world around you? And if you found a way to do that and do well for yourself, you know, good for you. Well,
0: A difficulty in that is is finding objective metrics for such a thing, because you can come up with potentially subjective positive metrics to tell yourself you're doing a good job when you're actually not. How are you how are you how are you measuring these types of things so that people can say can objectively look at what's going on down there and say that's positive? Or how do you say, like, judge someone else in terms of their their positive uh impact on people based on metrics that they've made like what metrics are good for these types of things versus subjective things that just maybe make echo chambers
4: well the most basic of which is love you know it's what is the energy that that person is emitting you know this is mm-hmm. one of those things that you can't really lie <laughs> the heart the heart speaks the truth and you can feel the energy of the people uh you know because that's you know again back to how do you measure it it's subjective. And depending upon the work that people are doing, they all need a different, you know, different unit of measurement. I tell very quickly, is this a person that is in service? Are they a steward? Are they taking care of others first before themselves? Or are they the person that's always cutting the line to try and make sure that they get fed first? Or are they the person that serves last? Are they people that pick up after themselves and clean up after others? You know, do they care? Do they operate from a place of love? Or do they operate from a place of, you know, taking care of themselves always. I mean, these are, these are pretty kind of objective things that you can observe in anyone if you pay attention. And if that's the, if that is someone's natural way of behaving, you know, it, it, you'll, you'll see that in all their actions throughout everything they do in their lives. You know, that's just one basic sort of thing that I use because I don't have enough time. I can't go spend 10 hours analyzing the actions of everyone, but I can very quickly observe the type of person they are, you Mm -hmm. know, The framework from which they operate you know are they caring are they in service do they operate out of love do they listen are they combative are they fighting are they you know selfish you know these are things that are pretty easy to observe in others you know and that and i trust that is my first sort of instinct from the gut
2: well let's say i i listen to this episode and i'm inspired by what you do and i want to start measuring my success by the type of impact that I can make in this world. What is more important to support? Should I go at an incumbent company level or should I go at a startup level? And I'm, you know, I'm just talking about like I guess the lifelong benefits in terms of progress in the space. Where should I focus?
4: Yeah, so I, I don't think there's a, you know, an answer that's true for, you know, each one of us is different, right? Um, I like to tip my hat to Satoshi and I like using a lot of Japanese terms uh, to describe things. One of those is called ikigai. Ikigai, and I I specifically use the top three rings um, in the Venn diagram to describe it. One is figuring out what you love, you know, what you're passionate about. The second ring is what you're good at. The third ring is what the world needs. So what you love, what you're good at, and what the world needs. And the intersection of those three rings is what's known as Ikigai, and that is to find your life's purpose. You know, you should... Do things that you enjoy doing, because if you enjoy doing it, it won't feel like work. And you'll be able to do it for long periods of time and you'll enjoy it, whether or not you make money, because Mm. you're doing something you're passionate about. You're doing something you love. The next thing being doing something you're good at. You know, what are those things that you're naturally good at? I'm not good at everything. So play to your strengths. You know, use your superpowers, those natural gifts, those things that have defined you over the course of your life, as Malcolm Gladwell would say, the things that you've put 10,000 hours into and the things that you you're becoming a master of. And then obviously then go find things where the world needs help, where what are the things where, you know, what does the world need right now? You know, go spend that time, that energy, that passion, those talents and applying it in an area where you think you're going to make an impact. You know that's finding your life's purpose, and once you've found that, your life is going to become you know you'll discover bliss because that's your you've found what your purpose is, and that may change over the course of your life it's not like you're limited to one thing it's not like you're limited to one superpower you know you can build up a an arsenal of them if you you know devote enough energy to it
3: Yeah. It sucks for people that aren't good at anything, though. So if you are listening and you're not good at anything, get good at something. Like, like,
4: yeah, because you all have the potential to be superheroes. That's right. We all have the potential. I mean, one of the examples I like to use, um, uh, Stephen Hawking's. So he died on Pi Day this year on 3-14th or March 14th, <coughs> the same day that Einstein was born. But um, Stephen Hawking, in his condition – you would assume is as a person that was never going to accomplish, accomplish anything more in his lifetime. And look at what he went on to do without any of his physical sort of abilities. If Stephen Hawking can do that, it means you can do almost anything. Believe in yourself. I
3: feel so juiced right now. Thank that. <laughs>
4: I mean, How do I spell
3: Ikigai? I- I- I-
4: A-K-I-K-I-G-A-I.
3: Ikigai. Ikigai. Yeah. It looks Japanese almost.
0: He literally said it was Japanese.
3: Yeah.
4: Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. Um... I use a lot of Japanese terms as a way of honoring Satoshi. You know, okay. Satoshi used a Japanese name. For the creator of Bitcoin and blockchain, yeah. for that matter. Not
3: I don't today. know why I chose to use a Japanese name. I just kind of rolled with it. So, no, I'm kidding. So I've been saying now. I'm Satoshi for a
4: while.
0: <laughs> Nobody believes me, though.
4: Hold on, we we are all Satoshi. <laughs> how do you feel about how do you? You've been around for you've all, been around the block for a real long be, time. We can all be Christ consciousness. We can all be Satoshi. You know, we can. That that is the age. This is the time that we're living through right now. We are not. Elevating, you know, leaders. We're not trying to build emperors or build kings. Well,
0: this is this, this is, is something that even, I've had,
4: which means we can all embody the spirit.
0: Well, I agree with that. I think like there's there's an aspect of this that's uh, trending towards like organizational structure, and uh, in terms of like moving from hierarchical organizations, you know, to more flat organizations where at, at the, at the at least currently in the implementations of doing so, decision-making becomes a difficult thing to do. I'm assuming you've, you've worked along some type of these organizations and how decision-making happens. Do you have any like, thoughts on how we move that, I guess, framework into an organizational structure where everyone somewhat is more egalitarian, but decisions actually happen?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, that's what you're seeing is, and this is the most important advice I would give someone when evaluating projects in the space. Technology, because it's open source, is copy-paste. Technology is not what really differentiates one project from another. The technology gives you a first mover advantage, but that's about it. What it's about is community. Community is what differentiates one project from the next. And so what, how do you develop and build a robust, thriving, vibrant you know, community? It's ultimately through good stewardship. Not, I don't use the word leadership. I use the word stewardship. It's back to are these people that serve themselves first or last? You know, a good steward is someone that anytime they're evaluating a decision for that community, says what is best for the community and does what's best for the community first. You know, you want to look at, you know, who are the people that are driving these projects and who do they serve? Do they serve their communities first or do they serve themselves first? Are you dealing with selfish people or selfless people? Mm-hmm. The long-term viability and success of these projects will be largely delivered by, delivered, you know, determined by that. You know, it's, it's, it's really that because it's about community at the end of the day. And you do have to have some decision making. But you want that decision making being made by people that act in service, that are stewards of the community and with liquid democracy, they'll only serve as long as they are serving true. Mm-hmm. The moment they that. stop acting in the best interest of the community in a liquid democratic environment, they're removed. And that might even mean they made a mistake. It may not have been an intentional mistake. It may not have been a malicious action. But, you know, the community said, hey. You've made a couple of mistakes. We consider them to be critical mistakes. You are not fit to serve any longer. You know, and the community will find new stewards. Can we move that framework of,
0: of judging projects to like EOS? Because you've had, you've had pretty intimate relationships with the, like the founding movement, fundraising, and development of the EOS platform. Like how, how has that performed based on that type of framework to judge it by? And, and well, what is your what is your current involvement with it?
4: My primary role in the EOS ecosystem right now is I'm one of the founders of the EOS Alliance or the EOS Foundation, which is the nonprofit portion of the EOS ecosystem. So if you look at the governance of EOS, you have the block producers, which are the uh, uh, the infrastructure, the super nodes, the miners that power the EOS network and those block producers are all competing uh, to be elected and to stay in office right in a liquid democratic state if those block producers stop doing what's in the best interest of the community they'll be removed instantaneously now that's up for debate right you know and what is the community determined to be uh, good or bad behavior and are they acting in the best interest of the community block one, the company that wrote the EOS IO software didn't launch the mainnet and is not involved in operating the network and their hands are somewhat tied. You know, they're very limited in terms of what they're able to say and what they're able to do. And so the foundation is a nonprofit vehicle whose role it is, is to facilitate conversation amongst the constituents so that people have a clear understanding of what's going on and have the ability to weigh in on what they think should be done. You know, it's to facilitate and structure conversation amongst all the relevant parties. And so that's the main thing that I'm doing within the EOS ecosystem right now. But obviously, I've been, you know, uh, involved, um, you know, since more or less the beginning. Um, And how is it working out? You know, EOS has only been live for about three months. So let's keep in mind, it's very, very early days. It's also quite different Uh, than other implementations, I'd say. I'd say it's so far, you know hugely successful in its launch, um, though it's not without challenges. Um, you know, there's clearly you know issues that need to be resolved. But for it being three months in, I'd say that we're the project is doing better than I would have expected by this time. I'd say the community involvement and the block producer participation is great. Most of the block producers recognize to be elected, they need to be doing great things for the community. And so block producers are always out there constantly figuring out ways that they can do things to benefit the community, to demonstrate that they truly serve the community. And so that's happening a great deal. The only thing that's, um, you know, kind of really a challenge there where, you know, um, is that the exchanges have taken on a lot of authority, probably more authority than is appropriate. Um and a lot of the block producers that are being elected are the ones that are deeply in bed with the exchanges. Not to say that this is wrong, it's just an area where um, you know, there's concern. Um, you know, In terms of uh, you know, block one, they're doing everything they can do, but block one isn't there to launch and run the network. They were there to write the open source software and it was given to the community to launch and run. And so that's all happening as, as intended. So um, uh, in terms of DAP developers, uh, you know, massive amount of dApps being developed for EOS. It's probably similar to what's being built on Ethereum right now. So it's the number one or number two blockchain, probably in terms of developer activity. In terms of transactions per second, it's number one. I think it's got over 51% market share, meaning the EOS blockchain is doing more transactions than I think every other blockchain combined or near that, depending upon the day of the week. So I'd say for being three months in, that's that's good. But that's also because there's no fees. It's a frictionless blockchain. If you want to build real consumer applications on a blockchain, it has to be feeless. It has to be frictionless. No one's going to Amazon if they have to pay a fee every time they load a page. That's also no due free-
0: to the choice and choice and consensus mechanism, like the.
4: Yes, but for consumer applications, yeah. I believe it will be an. You know, I don't think EOS competes with Bitcoin. I don't believe it competes with Ethereum. Again, I believe I'm chain agnostic. I'm, you know, I'm. I believe that if anyone succeeds in making the world a better place, we all win. And I believe that maximalism of any chain is the modern day equivalent of religious fanaticism. You know, if someone does something that makes the world a better place, we all win. And it's all A-B testing. It's all split testing. And it's not going to be one chain to rule them all. You know, there's different chains for different purposes. And consumer applications, consumer dApps in particular, need to run on a fee-less, frictionless chain. You know, the, the new, the decentralized Facebook is going to run on something like EOS, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, but there's no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody's making money there.
4: Well, it's, it, it, you know, it's called who's paying the fee. The fee is paid by the block producers. So instead of the fees being consumed by, you know, paid by the end user, it's being passed down into the network. The miners pay the fees because the miners are receiving the reward. It's just a different architecture, but I believe it is the right architecture. Um, certainly, I've not heard of anything better or near it um, You know, for consumer dApps. But that's for consumer dApps. I mean, that's, you know, again, you know, Ethereum is doing high value transactions. It's disrupting venture capital with ICOs. And there's lots of interesting smart contract applications that are relevant that need that censorship resistance that Ethereum is focused on. You know, Bitcoin is really gold 2.0 more than anything else right now. It's creating a new store of value at a time where fiat monetary systems, you know, the emperor wears no clothes. These are, they're, you know, they're performing different functions. Um, Bitcoin clearly is not trying to do any of the things that EOS is trying to do. Bitcoin cash is trying to do things more similar to what EOS is doing. We'll see how that, you know, evolves over time. But um, my view is that we go innovate. Everyone should keep innovating. I want to see as many blockchains trying to solve as many problems as possible. And you know, I, I, I support and I applaud, you know, I salute people attempting to innovate. It's all it's all good. It's all good in the long run. Ideally, mm-hmm. let's work together. You know, uh, I, I've been saying for many years now, when you see someone that you think your first reaction is they're your competitor and your first reaction is fear. You know, the reality is that person gets you. That person wakes up every day trying to solve the same problems as you. That person understands you better than almost anyone in the world. Don't be afraid of them. Go shake their hand, give them a hug and talk. And what you might find is that there's a lot to collaborate on. Or you might say, we have a different view as to how to solve this problem, so let's go solve it two different ways. But a lot of times those people are going to become your best friends and the greatest teachers and students you're going to have in your life. You know, this rea- This fear-based reaction is a scarcity mentality reaction you know if we're trying to build a world of abundance if we're truly trying to change the game you know it's learning to get you know over those fears what i the difficulty i
0: find in a lot of this um while i agree with everything you just said is um how does someone get access to a quality signal through all of the noise that's associated with trying to learn things in this space uh, like if someone were to just Google EOS or your name, they're gonna have a lot of conflicting information on what to think. How do they get good information on various projects that have conflicting mouthpieces talking about them? You just look oh, at quick. just just look at like the the debate between Bitcoin and and, uh, and and Bitcoin Cash. Like that is now a cesspool of information to try and grok what is the correct thing to think about these things.
4: Um. Yeah, it's really, really hard because there's so much money involved and there is so much misinformation. Yeah. There is so much polluting of the, you know, the, the sources of information that it's very, very difficult to distill down what to believe, who to listen to. What I would do is I take the time, and unfortunately, I don't know any other method but to take the time to listen to multiple sources of information. And when you listen to people speak, does that message resonate with you? Our bodies are primarily water containers. And when you hear people speak, that message will resonate with you or not. And if that message resonates with you, that's generally a good place to start and continue to listen to more people and find what messages resonate with you. You know, that gut telling you what's true. You know, I wouldn't, you know, think for yourself, you know, use your own gut, your own heart, your own mind. You know, we're building open source systems and to build successful open source systems and open source communities, you need to have open minds and open hearts. Um, You know, I, I, I just find what resonates. That's the the best advice I can give you because if it resonates and it rings true in your gut and your heart, that's generally the thing to follow. That's that's the, the greatest mechanism that you naturally have. But you know, There's no shortcut to doing the work. You got to take the time to go listen to listen to all the opinions, listen to all the voices. Well,
2: that's why we wanted you on. That's precisely the reason. So
4: again, thank you for having me on. It's uh, it's, it's always a privilege. Um, and to everyone that takes the time to listen, you know, you are blessing, you know, you guys are blessing me with your time and your platform and your distribution that you spent, you know, 222 plus episodes making. And, uh, Uh, and your audience that takes the time to listen, you know, we have a, you know, our time is our most precious resource. It's our most precious asset. And there's so many places that we can choose to spend that discretionary time. And for those people that choose to tune in, you know, thank you. I appreciate the gift.
2: Yeah. There's, there's one more question that we usually ask all of our guests. And, but I wanted to do something completely different with you is uh, we end each interview asking people to describe Bitcoin in 10 words or less. And you answered this for us back in October in 2015. So instead of asking you to re-describe it, I wanted to read your answer from three years ago, and you tell me if you still agree with it or if you wanted to change your answer.
4: I I love this, thank you. Yes, please, this is (laughs) fine. All
2: right, so I asked you to describe Bitcoin, and you said it is democratizing the global financial system in a way every person gets equal access.
4: I think that that is still largely true. Obviously the, um, the Bitcoin forking and things of that nature is, you know, maybe, um, uh, uh, creating a little division in the ecosystem, but that's also healthy, you know, we, we're all forks of our parents, you know, forking is natural forking is evolution. So, and the, yeah. four, and the first four letters of evolve. Our E V O L backwards is L O V E or love. Um, you know, we're not here for revolution; we're here for evolution, love-based upgrading of systems. Um, I'd say that the infrastructure is still not all the way developed. You know, the bridges, the roads, and the tunnels. So I don't think there's equal access yet. But I still think that the mission is it rings true. I still believe long-term that Bitcoin is still serving that. You know, on that path. You know, it's just still somewhat early days. Um, and, and there's going to be setbacks. And I believe that, you know, we're in the middle of one of those setbacks. Um, but it's healthy, you know, in the end, I think, uh, uh, it'll, you know, make Bitcoin stronger, however it evolves. And if it works into multiple projects, so be it. That's not necessarily a bad thing. We don't know whether something is good or bad until we have the benefit of hindsight. You could be having the worst day of your life. And a year later, you find out that that was actually the best event that ever happened to you. Or you could be having the best day of your life and a year later, you find out actually that was the worst thing that ever happened to you. You do not know until you have the the benefit of meaningful hindsight. And so I still think that's true. And I think I answered a little bit earlier um, a more specific, concrete sort of example of what Bitcoin does today. And I'd say Bitcoin is gold 2.0. You know, it has all the attributes of what made precious metals the primary form of money for 5000 years, except it's better. You know, Bitcoin is in arguably a better version of gold today. And if you are worried about, um, you know, the fiat monetary system, the real bubble, in my opinion, is government issued money, the debt market and the equity markets. And if you share that view at all, you know, you know, it's a good time to hedge. I also like gold, by the way. I like I like precious metals. There's not many asset classes I like well, today. I'd imagine I like you're Revis- spending a
0: bit of time with metals- Peter Schiff down there.
4: Yeah. By the way, we would love to get Peter Schiff. uh, Well, I want to do a debate with him because he started um, tweeting the other day, you know, kind of. a. And and by the way, we know each other. We live in the same neighborhood. Um, uh, You know, he was being a little confrontational for I'm not a confrontational person. You know, I tend to agree with everyone because I think there's truth in almost everything everyone says, if it you know, if they're at all right. But but again, here's just, the thing
0: is that some people say wrong. things that are wrong based in i maybe i i would say in peter schiff's case there may be things that he says about the space that are wrong but they're based in ignorance he has the right motivation for saying things he says but doesn't quite understand the fundamentals of how things work uh i would love to facilitate yeah getting if rid of if you ever that. need a platform to debate yeah. call us
4: well you should tweet him uh and i'll respond <laughs> i'll respond and say i'm happy to do this anytime and and I'm the I'm the right per, person for it, that. He should be comfortable debating. Yeah, I'm not here to make him look like a fool. I'm not here to like, you know, show everyone where you're
0: naive. It's not winning in the in a sense. It's uh, yeah, just it's moving can, towards a common level together. of understanding.
4: Yeah, we can win together. We can create environments that are win-win. Well,
0: I'd like you know, to facilitate that, that by asking
4: mentality for me to win. You don't have to lose.
0: Yeah, I'd like to facilitate that by asking good questions that you can then talk talk amongst each other right because if you if you ask pointed questions that are designed to have specific answers then you're moving towards that like i'm winning the conversation attitude and that's not necessarily what needs to happen in my opinion uh and yeah there's there's a lot of things like that amongst the entire space that could probably benefit just by asking good questions and then having people discuss them in a way that's non non non-combative
4: yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy to encourage uh, Peter to jump on the show. Uh, I, 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 I think uh, it's a good conversation. I think Peter has obviously played a, uh, an incredible role in uh, keeping people informed about gold and why gold is interesting. And a lot of what, 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 he, what he talks about that he knows well, I agree with most of the time. The only thing I would disagree with him on is he's always bullish on gold. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, you know, when someone is, you know um, – I'm always fundamentally bullish on things like Bitcoin, but, you know, when Bitcoin is very high, I say, hey, Bitcoin is really high right now. I mean, I would average my way into the market. I don't think that buying at the top of the market is ever a good idea. I will always try and give sensible, you know, practical, pragmatic sort of advice, even if I'm bullish, you know, because I don't know what I don't know. I don't know if the market's going to be higher or lower tomorrow. I know why it's higher or lower, and that's because there were more buyers than sellers or sellers than buyers, but I can't predict you know, what that's going to be. And so I always try to give people, you know, cautious advice. And the only thing is, you know, Peter's pretty much always gold, 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 gold. There's not a lot of like, hey, you know, maybe now's a good time to average in or slow down. But other than that, uh, I think he's pretty much on point as it relates to gold, you know, almost always. Uh, well, uh, and
0: You can expect a tweet to come out soon after this episode. And uh, we hope that you tag on to that to then help help push that forward. I think I think everyone would benefit from that conversation yes, please all right well, uh, I think that's a great way to wrap up Brock, thanks for mm-hmm. thanks for coming on the show again. I uh, appreciate talking to you. Do you. is there anything that we should have asked you if we didn't get around to doing?
4: No, I think I mean the, uh, what you what you're doing you know is is back to such an important part of the ecosystem's development it's how in that world with all this fud and all this misinformation, how do you how do you become informed and how do you make good decisions in a world where there's so much, you know, bad information and uh, those people that are building platforms such as yours and curating the conversation and facilitating those conversations are how people, you know, get to what it is that they need. So, you um, know, I just want to thank you for what you do. You know, this, you, you play a, a very important role in the ecosystem. Thank you. And you wear a hat better than Jimmy
2: Song.
0: I must say. <laughs> oh, burn.
4: burn. Hey, we, don't, we, all wear, we wear many hats.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not going anywhere, so you can keep tuning in. Yep. All
4: right. All right
2: thank,
0: thank you very problem.
4: much, bro. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right. Bye-bye.